Morning Church, and welcome to part two of our Rewind series. And today's, today's message is called Salvation Matters. And in this message, we're going to look at some of the things that we've learned about salvation and the Christian life throughout the year. Salvation matters. In spite of all we preach and teach concerning salvation, I, I still pick up sometimes when I talk to people, I, I still pick up sometimes those doubts concerning salvation. Am I saved? Am I losing my salvation? If I commit a sin, must I go all over again and, you know, get saved, get baptized? And there's a lot of confusion often I notice. And also I notice a bit of a disconnect between what people profess, what people say, and what people actually do. Do, how they react to challenges, injustices, offenses in the church and outside the church. When things happen in the church or things happen outside the church, place of work, whatever it is, there's often a reaction which is different to what we profess as believers. And so we've covered these matters in our sermons this year, but it will be good to, to bring them to mind today. And so we'll start, we're going to start with a message called called Saved, which was preached on 7th February in the beginning of the year. We preached this message Saved. And in this message, we learned that salvation is a process. And this was a revelation to a number of people. And we need to understand this, that salvation is a process. In fact, it's a lifelong process. In that sermon, I used the analogy of a man being rescued at sea. He's in the water, a boat comes past and rescues him out of the sea. Yay, the man is safe, he's in a boat, he's not going to die by drowning. The man is saved. But guess what? He's still at sea, he's not home yet. He has to stay on that boat and travel along with the boat until he gets to shore. While he is on the boat, he's saved. He's not going to die by drowning. He's saved. But while he's on the boat, on the way to the shore, he is what? Being saved. And on that boat, he has to be careful not to fall over out of the boat. He probably has to help the crew out a little bit and keep the boat clean and so on. There's some duties he's got to do all the way until he gets to the shore. When he gets to the shore, he climbs out of that boat and he's home. He's arrived at his destination. He's going to his home now. He has arrived. He is completely saved. So he was saved. He was being saved on the boat and he will be saved when he gets home. That is his final destination. And so you see, his, this man's salvation is a process. Out of the water, onto safety, on the boat until he gets home and then finally he is saved. Well, the man's salvation is not a one-time event. It is a process, like our salvation is a process. And our salvation is yet to be completed. I am saved, but my salvation is not complete yet. I still have some issues, don't you? I still sit with a body that bugs me sometimes. I still sit with a mind that sometimes tricks me into thinking what I shouldn't think. And don't you point fingers at me because I'm sure it happens to you too. Thank you. 
All right? And so my salvation is not complete, but a day is coming where I'll be in the presence of the Lord. And then this body, this fleshly body, will be changed. I'm going to have an eternal body. I will not be distracted by sin anymore. It will not be a fleshly, sinful body that I'll have. On that day, I'll be completely saved and safe. And from that day onwards forever, I'll be in the Lord's presence. And nowhere can be safer than being physically in the Lord's presence. Amen? Now, there's a... a Texting scripture, and you can see this process, you can detect this process in this text. You find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And it says, Yes, we had the sentence of death over ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Watch this now. Who delivered us from so great a death. And of course, the death he's talking about here is spiritual death because sin separates us from God. That is spiritual, eternal death. Being away from God in the Bible means death. And so he says he delivered us from so great a death. He delivered us, past tense. And then he says, and does deliver us. It's still going on. And then he says, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. So he delivered, he delivers, and he will deliver. You see here the process of salvation. Past, who delivered us from so great a death. The believer has been saved from the penalty of sin. This this is what happens. He has been forgiven. And his spirit has been united with the spirit of God. That's what happens when you make that simple decision. That simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe you died. You were buried. You rose on the third day. I believe you're alive today. I believe you are my savior. I believe you paid the price for my sins. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. That simple decision, that simple prayer connects you. He who believes. He who believes shall be saved. Amen. And so that simple prayer connects us to God. We are saved. We are saved. But then there is the present. He does deliver us, he says. He does deliver us. The believer, the believer is now being saved from the power of sin. And this is the road that you and I are in right now. While we live on this earth, we are in this process of salvation. In this process, our soul is being saved. Our soul is our will, our emotions, and our thinking. That comprises the soul. Will emotions and thinking it's what is called the renewing of the mind spoken of in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 which says and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and notice the verse says be conformed be transformed it's something you do it's something i do it does not happen automatically god doesn't go boom and then we get renewed no he works with us we work with him we have to put some effort into this into reading the bible into making the right decisions it's a process now which 
necessitates our cooperation. But it says, be transformed by the renew of your mind that you may prove, you may taste, you may experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And those are three different Greek words used over there which show a progress. That good, agathos, which means good. It is pleasant. It is good. But then it goes on and acceptable. Eurestos, which is fully agreeable and well-pleasing. It is better than just good. All right? Uh, you know, if you come home with a report and you give it to your dad, your mom, and it says, oh, that's good. <laughs> you know, you know it was good, you made it, but it could have been better. And acceptable, all right, acceptable is, or fully agreeable, is better than just good. But then he says, and you may express the perfect will of God, teleos, which means complete, perfect, okay? It means mature. And so salvation, as you renew your mind, you begin to have a different understanding. And you begin to experience different levels of the will of God. There is a progression as your mind is renewed. This process is also called sanctification. And it will last as long as we are alive on earth. Some people learn quicker than others, but you cannot compare yourself with other people. You must be patient with yourself as you are growing spiritually. Amen? And then there is the future, which says, in whom he will still deliver us. We trust in him. The believer shall be saved from the presence of sin. When we are with him in his presence, there is no sin where God is. We are saved from that, that uh, presence. And so, when the mantle from the story, when he steps out from the boat and he's on firm land, he is home. There is no chance of falling in the water again. He's, he's there, okay? He's safe. And one day, we will arrive in the presence of God. On that day, we will have our full faculties as far as thinking, feeling, and choosing go. Some of us think we're very clever. We can, we can think a lot. We can process a lot. You've seen nothing yet. When you come into God's presence, your ability, your clarity, your thinking, your feeling is something else. And how do I know it? It's in the word of God, but also God has allowed some people to experience that and then come back and tell the story. And it is amazing. And so, guys, we need to be uh, looking forward to that, you see. No more effects of sin in God's presence. Our earthly fallen body will be no more. We will receive a new glorified body free from the tendencies of sin. And then the cycle of salvation will be complete. We will then be saved, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Right now, you are saved in your spirit you are being saved in your soul by the renewing of your mind. And when you come to God's presence, your body will be saved too, a new body. And that day, it's, the cycle is complete. Spirit, soul, and body saved. And we will live forever in God's presence as God originally designed that we should live. Amen? And that's going to be a great day. This is the process of salvation. One day, we will arrive at his presence, either by going to him when our life on earth is over, or 
we may, some of us may witness the return of Christ. We'll see him, and when that happens, we'll be transformed and will be in his presence. Jesus promised he would return. And we addressed that matter because it's part and parcel of salvation. We addressed that matter on 21 February in the message, The Blessed Hope. The Blessed Hope, 21 February this year. And from the first century, listen, from the first century, the Blessed Hope has been a source of motivation, of encouragement, and of hope for the church. The anticipation of seeing Christ return to earth and the fear of not being ready for his return has kept many believers on track in their biblical disciplines and lifestyles. It has motivated them to stay away from sinful lifestyles and behaviors and live lives that are pleasing to God. And I pray that will be the same for us today. That this blessed hope will keep us motivated to live lives pleasing to him. Now, no one knows when Christ will return. It will be unexpected. This global pandemic has stirred many people to wonder if this is the sign of his coming. If we have entered the great tribulation, if this global upheaval will introduce the Antichrist and so on. And so at that time, in February around that time, I brought a couple of messages showing from the word of God that this that you're experiencing now is not the great tribulation. But that the time of his return is definitely near. And we must be alert and we must watch. On 21 February, our text was Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. And it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The gospel of Jesus Christ is open and available to everybody preached all over the place. Teaching us that. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. In this space that you are living right now, in this season that you are living, in this part of our salvation process, we ought to turn our backs on all that is ungodly and worldly. And live soberly, righteously. Live a life pleasing to God. And then he says, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. This is what we look forward to. We hope towards, we want to see that. And we are going to see him. We're going to see his return. Whether we are on earth when he returns and we see it and not change and meet him. Or whether we are already with him and come back with him when he returns. We want to see it. We want to be part of it. Amen. And we will see it as his followers. Verse 14. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. See, he gave himself for us to purify us. 
That is why we must accept the good news of the gospel and then renew our minds and become who we really are in him. And it is the hope and desire to see Jesus returning that has kept the church focused on its mission from Pentecost Day until today. It is this blessed hope that will keep the church going until Jesus returns. In that message, I share that one way we know that the return of Christ is approaching is by having an, uh, an overview of the biblical timeline. You see, the Bible can be summarized in six broad chapters revealing the history of mankind. Remember that the Bible is God's revelation to mankind. The Bible is a book about God's dealings with men, with mankind. Now, there are many different ways and useful ways of summarizing the Bible to have an idea of its contents. But this particular version allows me to have a quick and simple picture of the biblical timeline. And therefore, it allows me to have a clear idea of where I am in this biblical timeline, where I am in history. And I'm going to share it with you again. I'm going to summarize the Bible in six chapters, six words, all of them beginning with the letter C. All right? I hope you remember it. If you don't, make a note again. Take a shot or something and make notes. <clears throat> but here are the six words, the six chapters of the whole Bible. Here we go. Creation, crisis, covenant, Christ, church, consummation. There it is, the whole Bible for you. You can go home today and say, you know what, this, in church this morning, we read the whole Bible. <laughs> you can summarize it in six words. That, that, that's all it is. There's the story of mankind, folks. Creation. Let's go one by one quickly. God spoke the universe into existence. Then he made man according to his image and likeness. And he put them in a garden. And it was very good. That was the first chapter, creation. That chapter didn't last very long, did it? It was a rather short chapter. Because very soon, second chapter came along. Crisis. Crisis. Sin entered. God gave Adam and leave. One commandment. And they couldn't keep it. And because they couldn't keep one commandment, you and I today have to keep a whole bunch of laws and regulations. Huh? <laughs> one commandment. You see that tree? Leave it alone. But they had to go and do it. <laughs> Instead of learning from God, they wanted to learn independently from God and sin began to have its consequence upon the earth and spoil all that had been created. God said to, God said to Adam, the day you eat this fruit, you will die. And he did. The Bible teaches that to God, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Adam did not live beyond a thousand day, years. He did not live beyond a day. He died at 930 years. The moment he broke the law of God, his spirit died. 
And some years later, a couple hundred years later, his body died. And because sin has been spreading upon the earth, people's age has been reduced consistently until our average now of you know, 80 to 100 or whatever it is. Amen? So that was crisis. Crisis entered the earth. The next chapter is covenant because from that moment when crisis entered, God put a plan into action. In fact, he said, a day is coming where the snake will be crushed. And that, that, that next chapter, covenant, as people became corrupt, God brought judgment upon the world. The flood came and there was a restart. But because man was still separated from God, their evil heart soon caused sin to spread again. So God looked for a man that would trust and obey him. And he found that man in the person of Abraham. He cut the covenant with Abraham. And from Abraham, he raised up the nation of Israel. Through whom? He showed many signs of his power. From the nation of Israel, when the time was right, Jesus was born. And that is our next chapter. Christ. Christ. Over 200 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled at the birth of Christ, his life, his death, and resurrection. Jesus came for his people, the Jews, but they rejected him. And after his resurrection, Jesus instructed his disciples to take the gospel to the whole world, Jews and Gentiles. And that brings us to the next chapter, chapter 5, the church. On the day of Pentecost... The church was activated and launched in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is still active today. It's still, you are part of the church. We are part of the church. And it is active around the world. And it will remain active until the return of Christ. From creation, from that first chapter, creation, all the way to Christ covered about 4,000 years. The church has been active for about 2,000 years. And that is where you are on the biblical calendar, on the chapter 5 called the church. And after 2,000 years, you can imagine we are kind of towards the end of that chapter, right? The final chapter, chapter number 6. Is consummation. And the final chapter will last a little over a thousand years. It will involve the following events. The return of Jesus in the clouds to fetch his church. A time of tribulation where God deals with his own people, Israel. A time of great tribulation where the wrath of God is poured upon the earth, upon the ungodly. Then the return of Jesus to earth to rule and reign on the earth from Jerusalem for a thousand years. The church will rule and reign with Jesus during that time. After the thousand year reign, there will be a final judgment. Satan, his demons, and his followers will be cast in the lake of fire forever. The heavens and earth will be renewed, and we will enter the age or ages to come 
where there will be no more death, no more sin, and we live with Jesus forever. Hmm. Now, I just gave you an overview of that last chapter, the consummation. Not all believers have the exact same understanding of how the events will unfold in that last chapter. But you must know this. No matter your interpretation of what's going to happen at consummation, the way to be prepared for that final chapter is the same no matter what you believe the events will be. You have to be saved. You have to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe in him as your only savior. Then, if you have that relationship with him, no matter how the events unfold in that last chapter, you are going to be okay. Because you're going to be with him, he's going to be with you, it's going to be all right. Amen? You can be confident that he will help you get through whatever we need to get through that is about to come upon the earth. And I hope this little outline of the Bible has helped you to see where we are in God's clock. You see, although no one knows the day or the hour, by understanding the times that we live in, by watching and by being vigilant, we can tell that you are close to the end. Nobody can say the day or the hour, the year. Anyone comes along saying, oh, in the year such and such, on this month, on this day, Jesus is going to come. Just ignore it. Forget it. The person is deceived. Because the Bible is very clear. No one knows the day and the hour. There have been many people over the years, foretelling days. Many Christians have embarrassed themselves and embarrassed others. And then harm to themselves and others by trying to predict dates. Don't go there. Don't believe any of that. Just be ready. That's all. Just be ready for the coming of Christ. So what, where are we now? We are in the end of that fifth chapter, church. We've been here for 2,000 years. In the beginning, the first century, the Christians said, Jesus is coming quickly. Be ready. He's coming soon. If 2,000 years was soon, where is it now? <laughs> okay? So that's why we know that very soon. And now in that message of 21 February, we looked at some of the present signs of the times pointing to the coming of Christ. There are so many things converging right now that we know that the coming of Christ is near. And if you're interested, you can go back and listen to the full message. Go to our sermons page on our website, and you can listen to the full message and hear all the other signs that are happening right now, pointing to the soon return of Christ. But then, on May the 30th, the message was called Devoted. Devoted. It links very much with what we are saying right now. You see, when we spoke this message on the 30th of May, the previous week had been Pentecost Sunday, when we remember the day the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and the church was introduced and launched into the world. The reason we exist as a church today is because since that first day of Pentecost, there have been people who have been devoted to the cause of Christ. They have this blessed hope we've just spoken about. And because of this blessed hope, they are totally devoted to the cause of Christ. 
Listen to how the book of Acts describes those first disciples. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves. Nobody had to kick them, push them, bribe them, get them to follow the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Hallelujah. A key component of their impact on society was the fact that they were devoted. Devoted means, being devoted to something means being focused on that particular thing, almost exclusively. When you are devoted to a cause, you work to achieve its goals. When you are devoted to a person, you place their needs above your own. Well, Christians are devoted to a cause and a person, amen? Now, notice how devotion is something you do by yourself. It is an inner drive. Nobody has to chase you to do something that you are devoted to. When you are devoted to anything, be it a hobby, a cause, business, the gospel, when you are devoted, you are focused. When you are devoted, you are motivated. When you are devoted, you initiate. You don't wait for others. When you are devoted, you make sacrifices if necessary. When you are devoted, you willingly invest of your time, treasure, and talent for that cause. Now, <laughs> think of when you were dating the person that today you perhaps married to. Huh? You were devoted, right? You were focused. You were motivated. You initiated. <laughs> you invested time, treasure, talent, right? I, I certainly did. <laughs> Okay, for a long time, to eventually have her as my wife today. Well, the kingdom of God is worth much more than any earthly relationship or any earthly cause. As followers of Jesus, we have both a cause and a person to be devoted to. And just like the early disciples, we too should be devoted to the study of the word. Allowing the word to shape our thoughts, our choices, our behavior. We should be devoted to a local church and fellowship. I know this pandemic has caused a disruption to our gatherings, but don't let it keep you away from fellowship indefinitely. They were committed to breaking bread together, which means that they celebrated communion together, but it also means that they spend time together. In the first century, communion was not just a brief part of the service, but a whole meal and fellowship around the Word of God. They were also devoted to prayer, both alone and together. And church, one way that you can engage in prayer here is by coming at 9 a.m. and joining our pre-service our pre-server prayer meeting here in the kids' church section, in the large room there. Try to come now and then. Again, spend some time there from 9 to 9.20 or so praying. Pray at home. Pray with your family. Pray with people over the phone. Let's be faithful in that. Now, look at that first century church. They had great persecution. They lived in an immoral society. They were surrounded by conflicting religions and beliefs. Yet their commitment to doing those few things regularly, their devotion, 
cause them to have a great impact in their world. The church today can be as devoted as the first century church. In fact, I believe we need to be as devoted today as they were in those days. That's the only way that we can influence our society today. Our world today is returning back to first century worldview, morals, and chaos, including the persecution of Christians as it was back then. Just look around. Look at the news. Look at the trends. Look at the social you know, trends. You're going to see we are going back to those ways. But the Holy Spirit is still the same Holy Spirit. Amen? And the great commission that Jesus gave us is still valid. Perhaps what is needed is more devoted by themselves Christians. Amen? <laughs> I'm speaking to you, members of Awaken Life Church. I'm speaking to every believer watching or listening to this message. I'm speaking to every one of us as followers of Jesus. We need to examine our walk with Christ and make sure that we are devoted. Devoted to the person of Jesus and devoted to the cause of his kingdom. Not allowing distractions and little things to derail us. From fellowship, from the word, from prayer, from church attendance, from whatever it is that the devil wants to kick us and distract us. Amen? So let us be devoted. The last message we'll recall today was preached on July 18, and it was called, Draw Near to God. Draw Near to God. Now you may recall... <laughs> That the week before this Sunday had been hectic in this nation. Looting, violence had destroyed businesses, livelihoods, and lives here in South Africa. Remember all those riots? And of course, when we saw back then and, and when we still see today what is happening, not just in our nation, but what is happening around the world. It is easy to become worried, fearful, angry, frustrated, or even hopeless. In times like these, it is not always easy to determine what to do, what action to take. It is easy, however, to act prematurely, to say or do something unwise without thinking. You respond, you react rather than respond. Now, this kind of feeling that we experienced back then, that we still experience to a certain extent, that kind of feeling is nothing new. The writer of Psalm 73 knew this feeling too. Look at what he says in Psalm 73, verse 26. He says, my flesh and my heart fail. Is that the way we feel sometimes when you hear the news, when you hear what's going on? When there's violence, when there's chaos in our nation, or when we read what's happening in other nations. My flesh and my heart fail. But, <laughs> but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What we experienced in July 
or maybe what you're experiencing now is an age-old emotion. It's nothing new. 3,000 years ago, Asaph, the writer of the psalm, experienced something similar to what we are experiencing today. And yet he wrote in verse 28 of Psalm 73, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. He had made up his mind that God is the one he would draw near to. That God is the one he would trust. Hmm? He had made up his mind. And I put to you today, church, <laughs> that if we are to remain hopeful as we pray, if we are to face the future with confidence, if we are to overcome fear with faith, then we need to do both these things simultaneously. Trusting God and draw near to God. When Jesus died for our sins, he took away all that stood between us and God. He paid the full price for our sins. There is no more need for sacrifices or special rituals to get us into the presence of God. Jesus opened the way. So today, in the name of Jesus, we have access to the presence of God. Drawing close to God is a posture. It is a, a position or attitude that you take. It's not a place you go to. It's an attitude, a posture, a position. Drawing close to God is a physical posture because it will involve your body, your mind. Amen. It will involve your body, your time, and your capacities. It is a physical posture. You cannot draw close to God if you do not make time for Him. But drawing close to God is also a mental posture because it involves letting your mind be informed by His Word, by His ways, and not the ways of the world. It is not just a matter of reading the Word and, and, and bringing the Word to your mind, but bringing your mind to align with the Word of God. Hmm? Having your mind renewed by the word of God. Drawing close to God is also a spiritual posture. Because God is spirit and we are spiritual beings. And we must seek him in spirit and in truth. We have to come to him with the realization that the spiritual world is more real than this physical world we live in. And that when life in our bodies is over, we continue to exist in spirit. And because of our faith in Jesus, we will continue to live in his presence. Amen. So church, may we draw near to God these days like never before. Jesus prophesied that in the last days, due to lawlessness, the love of many would grow cold. We are living in those days. We are seeing lawlessness abounding in the world. Child of God, beware. Do not let your love grow cold. Don't let your love for God, love for God, grow 
cold. Don't let your love for others grow cold. The devil will make sure there are many opportunities to distract you from loving God and loving others. You will use anything. Inside the church, outside the church, in your family, whatever. You'll use anything to distract you from loving God and loving others. Beware, child of God. Draw close to God in prayer. Draw close to God by spending time in his word. Draw close to God by pouring your hearts to him. Amen. I trust that this message has reminded you that your salvation is a process. Amen. And that aiming to live a godly life on earth is worth it. Because we look forward to the blessed hope of the return of Jesus. And this we can do by being devoted as an act of our will to Jesus and his cause. Knowing that whatever challenges we encounter, we can draw close to him. For strength, for understanding, for guidance, and for protection. Amen. Listen, salvation matters. And may the matters we were reminded of today keep you, keep us on course in our journey with Jesus until we meet him. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Let's stand up and let's close in prayer. Father God, by Holy Spirit, you have reminded us again today that salvation matters and that matters of salvation are serious, are important. They determine our destiny. And so I pray, Father, for everyone listening to this message, everyone watching, everyone present here, help us to stay focused on these things, my God. Give us the strength to overcome any distraction, any challenge that would steer us from the path of holiness, from the path of obedience, from the path of being renewed in our minds and continuing being part of this process of salvation. So we thank you for your Holy Spirit's strength in all of us, Father. Thank you for keeping us in your ways. In Jesus' name. And now... May the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of you, upon each one of us, as you remain faithful to him until we meet him face to face. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, a blessed week, and see you again next Sunday for our final part of the series. Amen.